You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector of Holy Cathedral. Co-host Mark Teresi, the executive director, our phone number 312-255-8408. You also get us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Happy May Day to you. Yeah, it's May. It doesn't feel that oh. way with the weather. Just it just came creeping up on us. Yeah, it it's hard to believe that uh, Easter Sunday morn, two weeks ago yesterday, but it's been so cloudy, and the temperature that yesterday was a cold, howling wind, and so was a Saturday. I mentioned to you on the way over, well, my wife and I were at Father Tom Bama's funeral up at at Mundelein. And, what a great priest! Yeah, and they have a cemetery, you know, right on campus where some of the faculty are buried. And everybody's worried about the weather, and the minute they were ready to head to the cemetery, it stopped, and by the time they got there, the sun came out, and just for that little bit of time, about 1 o'clock, you know, then it started raining. Now, is Tom after, buried in the, in the, in the right grounds? Right on the grounds, yeah. There, there's a cemetery where Cardinal Meyer is buried. Yes, he's in those grounds and there. many of the faculty and some former rectors are buried You know, there. Tom and I, Father, we're talking about folks, Father Tom Bema, who, who battled cancer, and died and was buried on Saturday at Mundelein Seminary in the chapel. Tom and I were high school classmates, class wow. of 71 from Notre Dame College Prep in Niles. I went to the college seminary, Niles. Tom went to Butler, Butler. University. Yeah. We both graduated 75, but he went to one year of pharmacy school. I entered Mundelein Seminary, 75. He entered 76. I was ordained 79 class. He was class of 80. He was only 69 years old with his death. A tremendous priest, so please keep in prayer the repose of the soul of Father Tom Bema, a great loss for the right. Archdiocese. And, and the Cardinal had a great line uh, because it, he's very involved in interreligious dialogue and studies. Tom Bema was, and the Cardinal said, um, Mother Teresa said, uh, "Where the church is where I am. And, uh, and the Cardinal said, the church was where Tom was. Yeah. And what a beautiful line. Such a very gentle soul, great priest. Mm-hmm. Tremendous program lined up again, 312-255-8408, here on Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM. Sister Angela de Fatima Coelho, author of Inside the Light, Understanding the Message of Fatima, and Vice Postulator of the Cause for Canonization of Sister Lucia, and Chicago radio legend Kevin Matthews, founder of the Broken Mary Project, our guest for one full hour Sister Angela has traveled all the way from Portugal to Chicago to spend the week traveling around Cook and Lake Counties to speak to audiences about understanding the message of Fatima. Guests, Sister Angela de, de Fatima Coelho and Kevin Matthews. Sister and Kevin, welcome to the program this morning. How are you both? Great. Thank you, Father. Hello. Great to be with you, oh, and Kevin. Thank you, Father Greg. And uh, for, the, 
And now you arrived, Sister Angela, in the country when? Well, I just arrived yesterday, Father, so I'm still suffering of jet lag, but very enthusiastic mm -hmm. that my first uh, talk here in the Chicago area is in this Catholic uh, Chicago radio program. So thank you oh, for the invitation. Beautiful. I'll tell you, for those that are watching live stream, you look beautiful. You don't look like you're suffering from jet lag. Beautiful smile. Yeah. Now, Kevin Matthews <laughs> is a different story, but yeah. you look beautiful. Uh, he looks haggard. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we, lo we love to give, we know Kevin well. We love to give Kevin a hard time. Uh, I have a question. First of all, uh, Sister Angela, how did you get involved to be the vice postulator for the cause for the canonization of Sister Lucia? Because if I'm not mistaken, you were also deeply involved with the other two children for the canonization. So how, what is your story there? Well, uh, I am a member of a religious community uh, called, in Portuguese, Alliance de Santa Maria, in English, Alliance of Holy Mary, even if the translation is not, well, great, but uh, the charisma of my community is exactly to live and spread the message of Fatima. I became a religious sister 26 years ago, and I was living in Fatima, when in 2009, my predecessor in the cause of Francisco and Jacinta, they were only blessed by that time, uh, was dying, so he died, and, and Cardinal Antonio Marto, which was the Bishop of Fatima, um, chose me to, to be the vice postulator and eventually the postulator of the cause of Francisco and Jacinta. So, I think the reason why he gave me this mission was because that was that was already what I was doing and living. So speaking about their spirituality as a source of inspiration for many of those who want follow Christ, like all of us. And then uh, when I became postulator of the cause of Francisco and Jacinta, that was in 2012, I was in Rome and I met the postulator of the cause for Sister Lucia which was a Carmelite priest. And um, he asked my help for the cause. So in 2014, I became vice postulator for the cause of Sister Lucia. So I think it's uh, besides, of course, a gift and a call from the Holy Spirit is, is the natural development of my personal vocation, being a sister of Alliance at Santa Maria. That's Beautiful. a great story. Now, Kevin, how did you connect with Sister Angela? That's an interesting Boy, both of your journeys are so different, and now you've connected in terms of this this mission and other missions. I, I literally, it uh, through God and through Our Lady, and I had, um, I God called me to a dumpster, and I found this beautiful statue at this dumpster of the Virgin Mary, and the story is me taking that dumpster, and that happened in two thousand and eleven. And the story is what's happened uh, since I've taken that uh, statue of uh, Our Lady of the Broken, and she's at St. Uh, John Cantius all month now. But I, I, I wrote a book. Uh, I uh, had the endorsement of Father Mark, a priest and uh, a Franciscan nun. So much was happening. And Father Mark said, Kevin, you should really write this down. And sister, uh, this Franciscan nun, she was a, uh, um, a writing professor. So we began to write a book. And in 2016, the book was finished. 
I uh, was, uh, the, my publicist is Matthew Kelly, a dynamic Catholic. Mm -hmm. I took the proceeds of the book, the um, endorsement, I got a uh, an advance and I wanted to take the nun who helped produce the book, Father Mark, who blessed the statue uh, to a Fatima on the 100th anniversary. And a friend of mine and sister uh, arranged a meeting and we met with sister in Fatima on the 100th anniversary. And we've become friends since. And I'm very proud to know this lady. Uh, she's got a beautiful book. Inside the Light is one of the most it's a book everyone needs to read because it explains why Fatima is so important 105 years later. Can I ask then, Sister Angela, just so people, I remember growing up and seeing the movie, the Our Lady of Fatima, and so I understand the story a little bit, but for folks that don't really understand the story of Fatima, could you briefly just describe f for us the story? But yeah, what why, happened? Yeah, what happened? So 100 years ago, the world was in the midst of the First World War. And um, in uh, everything started and occurred in a small little town of Portugal named Fatima uh, from 1916 to 1917 and then going on 1925 and 1929, when uh, the Angel of Peace, 1916, appeared three times to three shepherd children, Francisco and Jacinta, they were brothers and sisters, and then uh, Lucia was the cousin of both. Uh, in these apparitions in 1916, the angel who called himself, like I told you, the angel of peace, asked them to pray. And they taught them, he taught them a prayer, my God, I believe, I adore, and I hope, and I hope. Well, anyway, these prayers that you, you can find in all the books, um, all of them summarize the greatest or the first call of Fatima, which is a call to adoration. Then in 1917, Our Lady appeared six times from May to October on the 13th of each month. She asked them several things, pray the rosary for Saturday, consecration to her Immaculate Heart, but mainly she showed them the sufferings of the church. She predicted the Second World War in the prophetic dimension of the message of Fatima. And... Um, she also showed hell to the shepherd children, as you know, in the first part of the secret. But mainly this call to the prayer and the intimacy of God and to assume the history of salvation in our daily lives by prayers and sacrifices. Well, two, e two years later, uh, Francisco died in 1919. And three years later, little Jacinta died in 1920. And Lucia left Fatima in 1921 and she became a Dorothean sister. So in the Dorothy Institute in Spain, in two cities, Tui and Pontevedra, Sister Lucia had two other apparitions. Uh, in Pontevedra, 1925, she had the apparition of the first Saturday devotion, when Our Lady and the Child Jesus explained to Lucia what is this devotion of the first Saturday. And finally, in 1929, June 13, Lucia saw uh, the Most Holy Trinity, with again the invitation of adoration, and uh, she heard the request of the Blessed Mother for the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Mm. So all of this 13 years of period of apparition is the message of Fatima. So that's fascinating. That's a great, great summary. Maybe, uh, again, Sister Angelo, here it is 105 years later. Why mm. 
is the message of Fatima so important today? Well, I know people immediately think about peace because of course, 100 years later, here we are in a situation of a crisis, of a war. And yes, the message of Fatima today still is important because of the question of peace, the matter of peace. And what can we do to cooperate with God, with the Blessed Mother, in order that peace um, comes to our world? But I think there are other characteristics of our postmodern society, if I can say this way, that um, became, uh, because of these characteristics, Fatima is even more important. For example, we live in a time that never as before, we are very much so self-referential. So we consider ourselves individually the center of the world. Uh, we, it's like we ourselves, by the influence of enlightening and by the influence of this desire of human being being, you know, independent, totally depending of his destiny, we put away God more and more of our lives. So I think um, in this self-referential society, egocentric society, mm -hmm. if I can use these words, mm -hmm. the call of Fatima to adoration, so to put again God in the center of our lives, is very much important. Because without God, humanity is lost. We know that. And this fragmented society needs urgently this knowledge that the adoration to bring again God in the center of our lives is more important than ever. Then, and let me recall that this pandemic situation uh, accented or in enlightening this feeling of isolation. We, we already knew there in the, you know, in the last century, but in this century, the 21st century, after this pandemic situation, people are more and more isolated and more and more feeling more and more loneliness. And I think the answer that Fatima provides to this society, that even though we are so connected by the social networks, we are more and more isolated. The solution that Fatima offers is the Immaculate Heart of Mary as a refuge and that as a, our way to God. In the apparition of June, Our Lady came and she showed her Immaculate Heart and told Lucia, she wanted to be the refuge. So I think for this society characterized by isolation, loneliness, we need more than ever um, this certainty that the Immaculate Heart of Mary is our refuge, that we are never alone. And of course, how do we enter in this Immaculate Heart? Through the prayer of the Rosary, through reparation, through consecration. But I think uh, another reason that Fatima is important for our postmodern society. You know, we are so characterized by indifference. I can say apathy. So what happens to the world, to the others, just doesn't bother me. You know, it's not up to me, so it's up to them. Even the war between Ukraine and Russia, it's so far away from the you know, United States. Who cares? This feeling of who cares, indifference, is um, destroying the bonds of uh, brothership that it should be in this society. Well, that is, a, that is a fabulous, fabulous summary. We're going to go to break here. It's interesting, Mark, for those that can watch live stream, when you speak, Sister Angela, 
you have a continuous glow yeah, and smile energy. about you. There's an energy. It, you, may not even, you don't even see it because we're looking at you. But as you speak about this whole situation with Fatima and the, and the uh, beatification of Lucia and the story, you have a glow about you and a continuous smile, which I rarely see for a guest to be non-stop smiling. So, Mark, take us to break. Yeah, there's a TV show was on years ago here called Touched by an Angel. Yeah. I think you're We have our Touched by an by Angel right Angel. here with Sister uh, Angela. Yeah. WNDZ, <laughs> 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. When we come back, we'll talk to Sister Angela and Kevin about the <clears throat> impact of Fatima in their lives. We'll be back in a few minutes. Spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting scripture in the church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including... Interpreting Scripture and the Vatican II Documents, Different Christian Denominations and How They Differ in Perspectives on Scripture, The Bible and Politics in America Today, What Scripture Says About Children, How to Use Scripture in Prayer, and Interpreting Scripture for the Life and Mission of the Church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summerscripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in-person and virtual. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. With Sister Angela, we're with Kevin Matthews. Before the break, I had said, uh, I'd like to ask the question, Kevin, first of you, you've been on this journey with Broken Mary, but now you've met Sister and you've, you've, you've embodying in some ways the Fatima story. How has the Fatima story impacted the direction of your journey? 
I, um, you know, I, I did radio for the longest time. I, I had a beautiful career here in, um, in Chicago. And um, the, the, what an amazing uh, journey it's been. And it's not over. I, I truly have such, I love Mary so much. And um, I'm doing, what I'm doing publicly now is I'm just repeating the words of Mary, the wishes of Mary, um, and, and what she told the children. And years ago, before I went to Fatima, I didn't know how to say the rosary. And so when I found the statue laying by the dumpster and took it home, had it blessed, and it was still broken because it reminded me of me. I'm broken. We're all broken. And one of the first things Mary's going to teach you, and I'm Catholic, I was raised Catholic, but, you know, I was so far from the church, is her rosary. I love Mary's rosary because it comes from Mary. It's her umbilical cord, and it's uh, the way that Mary feeds us Jesus. Uh, the rosary is the story of the life of Jesus. So I love, and I love the rosary. And when I got to um, Fatima, I was there for a week. And I know that Mary wants me to do nothing but plant the seeds of her rosary. And I speak about Mary, but I also tell everybody that I'm just Mary's roadie. <laughs> I'm a roadie, Mary, God, because I don't, it's not me, it's, it's her, it's her son, Christ. And God, so I'm I'm humbled uh, to do this work for Mary. I love her so much, and she loved these children. And you're right about Sister Angela. There's a glow about her because Mary is so proud of her. Now, and Kevin, so the- I need to share this, and you, you said something very, very important. That is, if you look at yesterday's gospel, Gospel of John, chapter I think it was 21. Uh, I'm sure the chapter was. Jesus asks Peter when he sees him on the shore, do you love me? Do you love me? What's interesting is this is the first time Jesus has met Peter after the resurrection. And Jesus did not say to him, hey, buddy, why did you deny me three times? You ran instead of acknowledging who I am. The first thing Jesus said to Peter three times, do you love me? What does it say? Jesus not focusing on the past, but the present. So for all of our lives, we are broken, we are sinners, but the Lord says to let it go, and I'm, I'm with you, and I love you. And so you just said that, when you said that, uh, Kevin, about I'm broken, and we are all broken, but the real focus of Jesus was, do you love me? But that's for all of us. Mm-hmm. The Lord asks all of us, do you love me? Not focusing on the past, but on the present. So Mark, take it away with your question. I got, off on, I got off on a little homily. Oh, I'm sorry. Sister Angela, what, what about you in terms of the Fatima message on a personal level? Now, did you grow up in the town, in the town of Fatima? No, I, I, I grew up in Oporto, which is the second largest city of my country, in the mm-hmm. north of the country. But I'm living in Fatima since 1995. No. But... Mostly of all the Catholic families, we are familiar with the, the, the story of Our Lady of Fatima. Every year, probably half of our population goes to the shrine mm-hmm. to visit the Blessed Mother. And I myself was, you know, raised in this Catholic family that we used to pray the rosary every day. And of course, living the life of the sacraments. I was very involved with all the spirituality 
of of this message since I was a child. Now, how did you find your order with that charism? What's your vocation story? How did you end up? uh, How did the order find you? Yeah, or how did the order find you either way? (laughs) Well, I think it was Jesus putting together. Well, by a coincidence, my mother was uh, the best friend of one of my founders, Maria Clara. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, by a coincidence, of course, by a divine coincidence. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and when I was, well, when I was a child, nine years old, my father died in a car accident. So my mother moved to Oporto so she could raise the five children that we were easiest in in an easy way. So then she started to go to this house, was not yet a convent, but to this house where my, my founders used to live. By those days, they were only six or seven. So to receive some, you know, some support, some psychological support from her friend. So I start to do a first Saturday devotion that these people organized. Eventually they became a religious order. Um, So slowly every month I was going to this convent to pray the rosary, do meditation, confession and mass. And I could see slowly the, the beauty again of my mother's eyes shining with happiness again. I, I could remember her eyes so sad after the death of my father. Mm-hmm. And slowly she was becoming, you know, happy again, full of life. And I, looking to these sisters of mine, I thought, I want to be like them. Not only because they loved Our Lady of Fatima, but because they had this tremendous love towards Jesus in the Eucharist. And besides all of that, they were so happy and so connected with each other. They were really like a family that when I was going there to this convent, I felt at home. So when I was 13, more or less, I think I decided to join them. But they did not accept me. I was just a teenager. So I finished my medical school and then I joined them when I finished the school. So then you joined at what age then? At what age did you join the community? I was 24. 24. But you actually wanted to join at the age of 13, but they wouldn't let you because you were too young. I was too young, so I wait 10 years before I joined them. But uh, but through these 10 years, I was very, very much in contact with them. Sometimes every week I was going there to do adoration and to pray the rosary with them and do First Saturday. And, and you know... Go ahead. You know, Father Greg, just, just to say something about... You just spoke about uh, the words of Jesus to St. Peter. Peter, do you love me? You know, one of the greatest things that I found in Fatima was this sentence of Sister Lucia after the second apparition of the angel. She says, all the words of the angel, all the light was to make us understand who God is, how he loves us, and how he wants us to love him back. So that idea, this relationship between Jesus and Peter only wanted to know if he loved him. We found that in Fatima. Fatima is again this announcement that God loves us, but he wants us to love him back. So he wants this personal relationship based on love. So thank you, Father, for reminding us this, because put me all directly in Because what I find so fascinating is that here Peter denies Jesus, his dear friend. And so I'm sure the guilt weighed on him, the remorse, how could I have done that? So when Jesus and, and Peter meet face to face, my instinct would have been on Jesus' part, be angry and say, how could you deny me and just, you know, blow up at Peter? Didn't bring up the past at all, not even a word. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Do you love me? And, and that's, But there's a message there for all of us, and again, through Mary and Fatima 
is that the Lord's that we we become our own worst enemies. A beautiful line I love to share is that no matter how many steps we take away from God, it only takes one step to get back to God. It's a <laughs> great, great visual image. And the message is this moment. That's this all, moment. That's what we have. Exactly. We have this moment. Now, I, I'd be interested, Kevin, with all of your involvement and kind of on your journey, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you had a, another life. You had the life in, in the radio and media. Uh, how, do you connect with any of your friends from media, and how do they react to this part of your journey? To you. Yeah. I've lost friends, I've, uh, but we all do. Just uh, even the uh, homily yesterday um, is Jesus comes back and says to the disciples, you're going to be hated. I love them. And we, Sister had brought up a, a good point. This is what I love about Fatima. I, in my past, denied God. I walked away from God. I walked away from Jesus. You know, I what I had done, I was ashamed to look at any statue of Mary. And what I love most is that within one breath, you are you're always forgiven when you ask for forgiveness. And we're all broken, but we are loved by God. And, and what I love learning from sister and the children, little Francisco taught me so much and still does. He and sister just mentioned it. He consoled, he wanted to console God and he does. I always thought that God was this mean, thing person that's going to send me to hell and it's you know i i wake up now and i give thanks to god and i want to console god because of francisco what he's taught me and what sister angela has taught me and our blessed mother is forgiveness and love beautiful that's a great great note to move to break yeah we're going to take a little break i just want to share, share one very short story our two youngest daughters are adopted and um, from Mexico. And we visited a woman who was in a uh, very terrible accident. She made a commitment to our lady. She said, uh, if I get through this, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And she asked our lady, Guadalupe, what should I do? And she said, take care of my children. And she built schools and she built an infirmary and she built, she said yes to that invitation, which is, which is what you Kevin and Sister Angela are doing, which is beautiful. WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you.
Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back. WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago with Sister Angela, Kevin Matthews. Sister Angela, um, I, I have a question, and the question is, I'm sure at some point, or maybe not, but that you may have been involved with Sister Lucia uh, as you looked at the Francisco and Jacinta canonization process. Is that accurate? Did you, did you ever meet with her? Yes, Mark. I, I met with her five times. Oh, now you tell me. That's what my question is. So you met with a, hopefully a future saint. What's that like? Well, the first time I was invited, um, Father Kondor who invited me, told me, I think kind of a joke, like, sister, she can read souls. Oh. So you never know. I went to confession <laughs> just in case. <laughs> I was so nervous when I arrived to the Carmel Convent of Coimbra because I was going to meet the woman that saw the Blessed Mother, our Lord, and uh, under testimony, under her testimony, my life was built. You know, because my life was dedicated to the message of Fatima. But surprisingly, I saw these small little old lady hmm. nun sister lucia but it was like she was so radiant um with beauty and and um but one thing i like about her the first thing that really touched me is that she was a normal person mm -hmm. concerned with our little daily problems she was interested you know making questions about my community but the first thing that i really loved about her was her sense of humor hmm that many of us don't think about them. So when I was in, 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 when Mother Selina, the prioress, told her who I was, and she said, what is my mission in life? And I said, Sister Lucia, I belong to a community 
which charisma is to continue the vocation, the call of the three shepherd children. Immediately she answered, so you have to be here because that's where I am. <laughs> so you have to become a Carmelite sister. Oh, I, I was laughing, she's you know. recruiting. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was expecting, you know, sometimes we think about um, people who see God or Our Lady, like special, you know, looking, special way of moving, like they were walking a meter above the floor. <laughs> and it's not like that. She was just a normal person. And then really that attracted me thinking, well, uh, if she, you know, if she's like she is a normal person and she will become a saint because I knew she was going to become a saint, of course. I said that I can be like that, mm. you know. Uh, she like attract me exactly by her simplicity and by being so much like us, you know, um, and um, that is, I think, one of the first um, lessons. Now, was this. Angela, Sister Angela, what year did you meet her for the first time? What In year? the convent of Coimbra. But what year? In, um, I think it was 2001st or 2002nd. And, it was, and she died when? 2005. At the age of, was she like 95 years old? 97, Father. 97. 97. 97. And you see, Jacinta died with nine years old, the youngest saint, non-martyr in the history of the church. Lucia, 97. So Fatima is from seven to 97 years old. So wow. everybody she, can live this message. Did she ever wonder why she lived so much longer than the other two? Or was that just God's will and she accepted it? Well, Our Lady in the apparition of June, okay, in the apparition of May 13, 1917, uh, Our Lady asked them if they were willing uh, to belong to God, to offer their lives to God in order, you know, to um, console him and make reparation. They answered, yes, we are willing to offer ourselves to God. And then Our Lady told them, well, you will have to suffer a great deal, but, but the grace of God will be your comfort. The amazing thing is that Lucia's life changed that day. And um, because the parents didn't believe her, oh. also many families. So during one month of suffering from May to June, she suffered so much that in June, she asked Our Lady, please, I want you to take us to heaven. Mm. And Our Lady said, Francisco and Jacinta, I'll take them to heaven very soon. But you will stay here a little bit longer. A little bit. Because a little bit until <laughs> 95. Wow. <laughs> uh, mm. And Our Lady explained why. Because Jesus wishes to use you to spread in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. He wants to establish in the world the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So Lucia knew that her mission was to make the Heart of Mary known, the apparitions, the requests. Um, so, but, but I can assure you by, you know, by being vice postulator, I have access to her diary and her documents that she, she was like sometimes saying, our Lord, you, you told me that I would stay here a little bit longer. It, it's not enough. I mean, 80 years is not enough. 85, not enough. So she was longing from heaven, uh, you know. It's many, amazing many the span of years. And here Sister Lucia dies at the age of 97. Now, for just a moment, there, Kevin, you visited Fatima in what year? On the anniversary of uh, 2017 when I met uh, Sister Angela. And it, uh, it moved my so tell life. Us, now, I I gonna, about, tell us about that experience. What was it like walking the grounds of Fatima? Well, I, um, we were asked, I came with a priest and a nun 
a Catholic uh, magazine asked us to journal. And I personally, as I got to Fatima, the closer I got to the apparition site, the sadder I became. I just felt Mary's sadness hmm. um, because no one is listening to her son. And it was a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a celebration of joy but sadness. And then I did meet Sister Angela, our guest today. And what I love about Sister Angela and what I've learned so much about the three children, and Sister says it so beautifully. Um, and little Lucia said, "Will I be alone?" And Mary comforts her and says, "No, my child." And what I love about Sister Angela, and we're so blessed to have her here uh, this week in Chicago, is when Sister met and 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 and, and Mary um, appears to them. Mary says to Lucia, "You need to learn to read and write because you're going to have to write these." things down and what's beautiful is here's sister angela 105 years later and she's reading the papers over 6,000 papers that uh sister lucia has written corresponded with and to me that is such a beautiful miracle itself our lady says you need to learn to read and write and here sister angela is reading and going through these written papers so you're saying kevin that Sister Lucy had over 6,000 entries or written articles. And people would write her. And now the job of Sister Angela here, our guest this week, is, you know, she's. it's a lot of work to make these children saints. And Jesus will see to it. But there's a lot of paperwork. Now, along those lines, uh, Sister Angela, I need to ask you this question. Kevin mentioned all the writings done by Sister Lucia, who was told you need to learn to read and to write, and all the pages you have gone through, page after page after page, we're talking 6,000 entries, which is a lot of writing. Is there any particular one line from Sister Lucia that so touches your heart or just explodes when you read it? Well, there are several, Father. That is a tough question. <laughs> There's got to be more than one. Wow. There's, there's a couple that really stand out that just... You just jumped off. It just jumped off the page to you. Well, one thing that I love about her, one of her lines, is when she said in a point, "I don't want people to think about me because I'm just an instrument." Mm. Um, and when people were writing to her, by the way, after 1970, she received more than 70,000 letters coming from all over the world, and she wow. read all these letters and answered them most of them and she this this knowledge this knowing that if people is writing to me it's not because of me it's because of the blessed mother it's because of jesus so this idea that lucia totally understands that she is only an instrument in the hands of our lord to be a channel of his grace to the this world through the immaculate heart of mary another idea uh, that really um, touch my heart was a line that she wrote in 1998, so many years after 1917, when she was recalling this sentence, the Immaculate Heart of Mary is my refuge and my way to God. And this is the light of my life. This is the strength of my path. This is the joy of my living. So this idea that the Blessed Mother is really keeping her promises and that she can keep the promise for each one of us that are listening now to this program, 
that she will never leave us alone, like Kevin said. Uh, and, they, and another one that I have to also recall is um, when, for example, they were deciding which Carmel she joined, because first she was a Dorothea nun, and then she became a Carmelite. They were not sure if she was going to the Carmel of Oporto, of Lisbon. Eventually, they sent her to the Carmel of Coimbra. She, she wrote this, well, uh, I don't know anyone in Coimbra, but it's okay. In the, Carmelite, in the Carmel of Coimbra, there is also a tabernacle. Wow. Um, this idea that the center of her life was Jesus. And if you have Jesus, it doesn't matter if you are going to north, of south, east, west, wherever you go, you have Jesus with you. So this conscience of the presence, the Eucharistic presence of Jesus for her being like the, the argument that make her a peace, if even, even if she was going to a Carmelite that she did not know, really touches my heart. Beautiful. You know, because sometimes, Father Greg, we are so complicating. We, you know, when uh, difficult things happen to us, challenges, problems, we start to complain. We start to ask, where are you, God? Why do you allow this to happen to me? You know, and she was at peace totally just by saying, well, it doesn't matter. In the Carmel of Coimbra, it's also a tabernacle. You know, it's, it's a very interesting. You know, many times I tell people we get in our own way. We get in our own way. You know, mm-hmm. not, not going to get in your way. We get in our own way. We become our own worst enemies. And uh, Mark, mm-hmm. take us to break. Sometimes I get in Father Greg's way. But anyway. And Mark gets in my way, and I get in his way, too. <laughs> I get in Mark's way, too. But we still get there. Yes. W- WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312255-8408. You can go to YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. When we get back, hopefully, Sister, you can give us kind of a status report on where is this journey toward canonization for Sister Lucille. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. 
You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it's, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarian fund or call 312-534-7959. WNDZ 7:50 a.m. Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you go to YouTube.com/slash/CatholicChicago. Sister Angela, we're talking about Sister Lucia, her kind of journey <clears throat> toward canonization, which she's in heaven already, so it's more for us than for her. But where is that process right now? You, we don't have to go into all the detail, but what's your can you best guess it uh, in terms of when she might be canonized? Well, I cannot guess that, but uh, the diocesan phase is already finished. Mm -hmm. um, so we collected 16,000 pages of documents and testimonies. So we brought that to Rome, and now we are finishing uh, to summarize those 16 pages into a volume of 500, 1,000 pages, where we collect the most important details of her life, of her virtue, and what people said about her. So we are like building this volume that the, in Rome we call it Posicio, which is a volume that then the Congregation of the Saints will give to a, a series of theologians so they can read this summary with the best information of Lucia's life. And they, they this each one of these theologians have to say that there is nothing against faith and, and, and what the teaching of the church in these writings, and that she practice virtues in an heroic grade. I think I'm, we are able to present this position volume to the Congregation of the Saints during this year. We are just coming to the end of it. Then after the vote of these theologians, the bishops and then cardinals and the Pope eventually will sign the decree of the virtues, the venerability of Sister Lucia, so that she practiced virtues in an heroic grade. So now she's only a servant of God, is the title that we give her. Uh, when Pope uh, signs this decree of the heroicity of virtues, she will become venerable. Then we need a miracle for beatification and then another miracle for the canonization. So oh, okay. I think it's still a long way, but if those who are listening to us, they pray for her canonization, mm -hmm. and we have all the cards to give, and you also can find the, the prayer in the website of Lucia, lucia.pt, and uh, please, please join us in this uh, prayer group. So give us that website one more time. Who, what was that, sister? Give us that website one more time for the, Lucia. Lucia.pt. Lucia.pt. P, Yeah. I think Very you already good. show it during the program, good. the website, even the Kevin, page. I have a question for you, Kevin. That is, with Sister Angela here in town in Chicago, is what is her schedule? Can people see or hear Sister Angela at some point, somewhere, before she goes back home? Yes, she will be speaking at St. John Cantius on Saturday, 
uh, in the afternoon. All are welcome. And what time, Friday, Kevin? Um, that is going to happen at, um, at, it says, I believe, at um, 6 o'clock early in the afternoon. Uh, 6 uh, uh, in the uh, afternoon. Okay, so we're talking this Saturday, which is May 7th. Um, May 7th, Seven. 6 p.m., St. John Cantius, which is located over on, um, it's near, I know it's near Milwaukee Division there, it's Chicago. In Chicago Ogden, Avenue. Chicago. Uh, at 825 North Carpenter Street. Uh, okay. Uh, and then she will also speak on a Friday at uh, St. Stanislaw Church, uh, and that's on Evergreen Avenue. And again, that is going to be in Spanish as well as English. And she will be signing some books up north at Marytown on Thursday. So okay, so we back up here. Marytown. I know she's got jet lag. Yeah. I apologize. So then, so Marytown, which is in uh, Mundelein or Libertyville there on yes. Route 176 on Thursday. What time is the book signing on Thursday, Kevin? Uh, that is going to happen after she speaks at about 7 o'clock. And, and what day and, uh, What day again is that? That would be Thursday, Thursday, May 5th. <sighs> May 5th. Yes. May 5th. So, so May 5th at uh, Marytown, May 6th, Friday at 6 p.m. at St. Stanislaus Koska. And I was baptized next door to Holy Trinity there. And Saturday at 6 p.m., St. John Cantus. Yeah. So, uh, so anything anything yes. happening today, tomorrow, or Wednesday? Um, we're going to just let her rest. <laughs> and um, she's going to... Uh, uh, I really want to thank uh, the folks, uh, Andrew and Father Josh and everybody over at uh, St. John Cantus for bringing her and her traveling companion uh, from Fatima, Portugal. It's, a, it's an honor. And folks, I love, uh, she is such a dear friend, Sister Angela. Her book, Inside the Light, is so beautiful. And uh, she's, a, she's, I, I, she's a humble friend indeed. It's, a, it's wonderful, and it. Uh, Can I ask a question? So go sister, ahead right ahead, Mark. So, Sister Angela, I mean, you knew Kevin probably from the Broken Mary stories, but he also was a radio guy. And what were your thoughts before you met him? Were you a little worried? <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, 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 well, of course, I did not know him before he came to Fatima, and here I have this tall man. I'm not very tall. I'm Portuguese, so I'm very short. So I have this. But when I first met him, what I really um, touched my heart was his deep love towards the Blessed Mother, not a, th a theory, but life. What, loved, what touched me the most was to see how much his life was connected with the, the presence of the Blessed Mother in his life and how enthusiastic and um, he was about giving testimony of his experience with the Broken Mary. And the first time I saw the statue, which was 2000, um, 2019, in October, I, I, really my heart was touched by the love um, of Kevin to Our Lady with all these wounds in the statue or well, this, you know, it, it was not a perfect statue, it was broken. It was broken. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the metaphor that he took out of it, that even if we are broken with our hearts, with our choices, with the suffering of our daily lives, um, Mary and Jesus bring us this hope and this light that can change our lives. And our lives are full of meaning, even though we had pasts full of mistakes and things that we shouldn't do or think things that we would give everything not to done them. 
but so that's what um, Kevin brings me yeah. hope light and a lot of joy now sister Angela you mentioned earlier that you lost your father at the age of nine he died in an accident is your mother still living today Yes, she's 84 years old. God, a woman full of light. Your and mother is 84. God bless your mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's wonderful. I, I lost my mother two years ago, and she was 97, the exact oh. age as a Sister Lucia. And uh, so your mother's 84. She's got a lot of mileage yet. She's, your mother's young. Is she, does, your mother, does your mother have as much energy as you do? Because you have a well, lot I of energy. So. I think so, Father. I think I, I, that energy comes from her side of the family, definitely. <laughs> now, in the last few minutes, uh, Sister Angela, are there any closing thoughts that you have not had a chance to mention regarding the whole Fatima uh, mystique? Or let me ask you this. What is the most common myth you'd like to dispel regarding Fatima? Is there something sometimes people say to you about Fatima that you want to say, well, that is not true? Okay, about the message, many people think the message is just about chastisement, hell, sacrifices, suffering and suffering, and it's not. Fatima mostly is about this announcing that God loves us and wants us to love him back. From the beginning to the end, Fatima is about the most holy trinity, the Eucharist, and this experience of God that we are called to make through the hands of Our Lady. Another thing about Fatima, more sensationalistic, is that the secrets of Fatima were not totally revealed. Well, one thing I can tell you, it's only one secret, three parts, and the totality is revealed. So there is nothing hidden in Fatima. So many things that we read in the internet, sensationalistic, uh, looking like, uh, you know, people are waiting for triumphalistic signs of the triumph of Mary. I think this is a myth. It's not like that. I think the triumph of the Metlet Heart of Mary will be like the triumph of Jesus when he resurrected. Nobody saw great, the resurrection. Great People saw the reason Jesus, but not the resurrection. So I think it will be humble, but it happens. So I really think the triumph of the Metlet Heart of Mary happens when we, obeying to our requests, open our heart so the Holy Spirit can make us like the heart of Jesus. On that note, amen. I want to thank in a very mm-hmm. special way Sister Angela and Kevin Matthews for joining us. Uh, you've been an absolute delight, both of you. Our prayers are with you. I uh, hope you get some rid of this, some of that jet lag, Sister Angela, <laughs> and blessings <laughs> upon this week. So, Sister Angela and Kevin, thank you. Special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi, to our producer-engineers, Michael May, Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock, to our listeners, God bless all of you. Spring is on the way. Hopefully the sun will be appearing one day this month. God bless. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.